The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the History of Gear, Claire Pavelka, corporate archivist for Red Wing Shoe Company, talks about her journey from collecting stamps to managing a corporate archive and how the collection is used day-to-day by employees at Red Wing and Vasque. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase, and joining me today is Claire Pavelka, the corporate historian for Red Wing Shoe Company. Thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. It's been fun. We've we've gone back and forth um, over the last month or two, or maybe longer, talking about corporate archives and and the work that you're doing and the work that we're de- doing here on on campus. and And I thought it would be great to have you on as a part of our history of gear series that we've been putting together um, to talk a little bit about the archives at at Red Wing. Um, and it's been interesting. We talked a little off air a little bit about the difference that we're starting to see in the the different archives. Um, in the industry and how corporate archives are run at, at different organizations. So I, I'm assuming that'll be no different. Um, well, it'll, no different, but different, right? At, at Red Wing, I'm sure things are done a little right. bit there. Um, right. But uh, well, I guess one And by just- the way, I have, Chase, I've very much enjoyed listening to all these um, archivists and also people in the, in the industry. So I have been letting lots of people know in my organization, you got to check out this podcast. Um, so it, it's been a lot of fun. So oh, I've that's listened great. to a lot of episodes. I appreciate that. I'm, we're, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about this and passionate about looking into the past and, and learning about, you know, what that can help us. Um, I don't know what, what that can do to help companies into the future. I, I'm kind of a self, self, proclaimed historian i guess in in that in that sense i've always had a passion for it and an interest and now that i work in the industry i i just think there's so much work to be done to preserve and protect and um share the history of great brands in the industry and we're lucky to have so many great brands in this industry and um the couple that we'll talk about in the the archive that you're a part of um you know we were going to touch a little bit on on red wing but red wing is is you know obviously that that's the core brand but there's some other brands that are attached to that that you work with as, as a part of your larger archive. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? No, absolutely. Um, so Red Wing Shoe Company um, has a family of brands. The Red Wing brand being one of them, Vasque being another, Irish Setter Works. We also own a tannery um, that provides a lot of our raw materials for our flair. And we also own a hotel. 
which is a little oh, really outside oh, of that. the loop on those other brands. Um, but we own a historic hotel that is right across from our corporate office. And, uh, and uh, we can get into that a little bit later when we talk about our collection, but uh, we, um, we have that in our family of brands because the, um, the family who is the primary shareholder um, of Red Wing Shoe Company, they're, you know, we're privately owned, um, has taken a great interest in the community. And uh, this historic hotel uh, is, is in Red Wing and it's, it predates the Red Wing Shoe Company. And uh, they basically rescued this hotel and um, has completely refurbished it. And it's been a great challenge and a great asset to um, the overall collection. Well, that, that tells me a lot about, um, I guess, why we'll, we'll get into this certainly, but that, it, that just tells me a lot about why Red Wing has an archive in the first place. Like it, yeah. it seems like from the top down, there's, there's a focus on um, community around preserving history and the, and the heritage of the company. Um, you know, uh, th- that, that just speaks volumes, that, that story right there around, you know, purchasing a hotel yeah. and, and doing it for the community. That, that speaks volumes. So um, I, I think that's kind of helped set the stage yes. for maybe mm-hmm. why an archive and how that came about. But, but I, I wanted to take a step back and understand, like, how did you get into the out, outdoor industry? And, and we're, you know, we're kind of using the, a large umbrella term for outdoor, right? Um, right, right. Um, to include a, a lot of different types of brands. But how did you find your way into the outdoor industry? Well, I, I have a lot of um, passion for history. And so um, because of my passion for history, um, led me into the outdoor industry. Mm. And I've, I found that um, I should have known early on because, um, when I was a kid, I was, I was a flatalist. I'm not actively anymore. And a lot of people are like, what? And it's a person who studies and collects stamps. Mm. And I, I loved, um, I loved the arts and more importantly, I love the history of what, you know, what those images represented. Um, and then I worked for, um, the Visitors Bureau in Red Wing. I also work for the local um, County History Center. And my background is actually in public relations um, with an emphasis um, in political science. Uh, so I have a marketing background, and that's good because that's where the corporate archives is, is centered in the company organization is within the marketing department. And when I joined Red Wing Shoe Company, um, the marketing team, they said, oh, by the way, you have, we have a corporate archives. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and like every business archives, it was in the basement in the 90s. Um, and we had an anniversary um, that was before I was there. And uh, that's kind of where it, where it started. It was our Shubilee, it was called. I really, really was passionate about preserving the history and also sharing it. Um, so a lot of what I do is outreach. Outreach within the nation. 
and educating community on we have an archives this is what we do this is what we collect this is why it's relevant you know this is this is why it's important to the business um, especially with the our portfolio of heritage brands um, including Red Wing and Vasque um, Vasque has a deep reputation um, I talk to people and they're like, I remember wearing, you know, these big clunky Vasque on college campus and they, um, and they expect, they have high expectations from the Vasque brand. And what we can speak to from the corporate archives is really, really important to um, validate that legacy brand how how it, it it's very clear that you have a passion for this um you know and having worked in the visitors bureau too like what what is your connection to to um this the the city and that community in particular which you know red wing shoe company it's definitely seems like it's it's an institution in the community what's your your connection to the region well, I went to college in this area, um, and where I chose to go to college um, is uh, geographically, it's gorgeous because it has these bluffs and these um, rolling bluffs and, you know, steep outcrops. And in the town I went to college, um, Winona, Minnesota, it has these two twin lakes. and that was very popular for um, students to go and do the walking path around the lakes. Um, you can, t you know, rent equipment and go out on the lake. And that's where I had my canoe class. And it was um, very much um, an outdoor, um, you know, a lot of people chose to go to school there because of, the geographic region and the easy ability to step out the back door and get into nature. And it's interesting because that is one thing, it just made me think of this, but Vasque, that is what they are, we're talking a lot about in the Vasque brand is just open up your back door and walk out. Um, and I think making the outdoors and accessible to everyone, and, and I know they have a, the, a great partnership with, um, um, you know, youth programs, and, um, and that's what, you know, and you want to get behind something that makes a difference, makes a difference and is genuine. And I think that is really where my passion comes from is that it's genuine. It's, it's the real deal. We vast started in, you know, the early sixties by, you know, um, WD Sweezy and he, and it's a great story of, you know, what inspired him to start the Vast brand, but of our family, um, of brands in the Red Wing Shoe Company, Vasque is the newest hmm. by 90 years. Wow. <laughs> um, so it's one of a relatively new, um, one of our family brands, but it's, um, 
and I, I grew up on a farm. Um, I'm a farm kid. Um, so I, you know, outside was my playground. That's just, that was just natural for me. That's great. Well, it, I mean, it seems like that combination of factors for you personally, um, I mean, it really culminates in, in doing this work um, at Red Wing Shoe Company. Um, I, I'm curious to learn a little bit about the history of the archive itself. Like you said, uh, Red Wing is a company that's been around for a long time. When, when did the company start? Red Wing Shoe Company started in 1905. 1905. However, yeah, the tannery started um, in the 19, 1870s. And the hotel started um, in the 1870s as well. Right. And so, yeah. Oh, so I, I, I bring that up because, uh, you know, in the outdoor industry, people think of the outdoor industry as a relatively young industry. Um, I guess they mm-hmm. think of, of um, you know, companies like Patagonia or, you know, Vask, right? Starting in the 60s. Like it, it seems like a lot of activity really started picking up in the 60s, 70s, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind, kind of coinciding with the environmental movement happening in the country, right? But, but there are outdoor brands in, in the country that have, have been around since the early 1900s, right? Like a, a Red Wing, um, you know, and, and, and some others. So I, I think the work that you do is especially interesting um, because I think so many people value heritage. They value um, you know, a brand that's been around, that has that reputation, has been around a long time. There's not many companies that can say they're over 100 years old, right? There's not that many companies that can say yeah. they're over 50 years old. Um, and, and I think, especially in the outdoor industry, that's, that's of significant value. Um, and, and to be able to, to talk about that and back up that history with, um, you know, with, with a, you know, a, a history, artifacts, materials, um, to really hit that home for people, I, I think is especially um, significant. Um, and so I, I, I'm curious I, from, from your perspective, when you came into the, the archives, what, what was the history of the collection? How long had, had it been around when you stepped in? Well, um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. We've had some, some forefathers that um, just had a natural interest in collection and, and preserving our history. So I would have to credit um, the start of, you know, the, the bulk of the collection uh, when I started was from um, the Sweezy family. So W.D. Sweezy, um, it was, he started the Basque brand and um, W.D. Sweezy is the second um, of four generations of Sweezy um, foundation leaders at the company. And he um, was a pillar of the community. Um, and you can see how um, Mr. Sweezy has touched so much in the community. And he had the passion for the outdoors. And it was... <laughs> It was interesting because I've talked to people who, um, and I apologize if I'm going on a tangent here, but um, 
I would talk to people who knew Mr. Sweezy and they would say, you know, um, he was, he was, he ran this big company, you know, in Red Wing, you know, the largest employer. And he would ride his bicycle around Red Wing. Granted, this is in the 60s and 70s, wearing his khaki pants and his polo. He'd ride his, you know, bike, you know, from his house on 7th Street downtown to the um, to his office, and he would take his um, family out on walks on um, Sundays, and he um, was the um, he was really the reason why we started our ELC in in Red Wing, and he um, had become you know he was a founding member of that organization and. Um, Basque and Red Wing Shoe Company continue to support the Environmental Learning Center um, today. And he saved catalogs, scrapbooks, um, a lot of the footwear that we have in our collection was donated by him or family members. Um, and it was, the collection was in the basement. Um, like, like I said, like every other business archive starts in the basement. Um, and really the first thing that we needed to do was, um, do preservation protection because it was just there, not in a great environment and it, it really needed a lot of preservation. So in organization, so that was the state, um, but I could trace a lot of the collection at that point to what Mr. Sweezing and, and his family um, had saved. They knew it was important. I guess when, when was a formal archive created um, within the company? Do you, do you have any idea? It sounds like things were being gathered, um, but w when was like a formal effort put in place to, to you know, like put the you know put these objects in the basement at least like set them aside put them in a place where they could be um you know at least protected in a way maybe not you know to to the degree that you you wanted to get them protected but when when was that effort um started probably for our shibboleth anniversary in um 95 okay 95. It, it seems like it, it's typically around some kind of anniversary um, is when some of these collections yeah. are, are um, you know, are created that, you know, that's it's common with, with at least Gore, W.L. Gore and Associates yeah. that, you know, in that episode they mentioned for their 50th, um, they felt like it was time. Mm -hmm. um, and in a similar way, their founders um, had just been gathering materials and, and had these things. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily with the intention to, create something like this, but, but they knew that what they were doing was significant. It sounds like, um, kind of a similar story here. It's like, um, you know, maybe it wasn't a conscious effort, but it, it, there was something that was, um, uh, you know, that, that these materials needed to be kept around, um, until a time like this when, when a formal collection could be created. Yeah. Is that, yes. is that accurate? And one of the Right. Yeah. One of the interesting pieces um, 
in the collection when I started is for our 50th anniversary in 1955, uh, the company did a, like an anniversary booklet. So they went back and, um, you know, got old photos. This is, you know, this is our founder, Charles Beckman. Um, this in 1905, this is the plot of land in the city um, before the factory was built. Um, this is what the town looked like. This is, you know, the first employees. Uh, and then it just documented the history of the company um, for the first 50 years. And even better than that is that we had all of the correspondences. So the editor and the, you know, the creator of this booklet, we had the correspondences when they um, talked you know, to the descendants. Well, it's interesting. It, it seems like with a company like this, that's such an institution, like such a, um, an integral part of the, the city, of the community. Um, I, I imagine you, you encounter this quite a bit. You're, you're not only preserving, um, you know, actively preserving the history of a company and, and the family that was a part of it. It seems like you're, you know, by nature, you're helping preserve the history of of the town and the region and the impact that the company had on 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 the whole area. Right, right, because um, that matters. Um, you know, our our customers want to know that we're authentic. They want to know Red Wing is a real town. It's, it's a real town where we live and work and raise our families and go hiking uh, on the bluffs. You're absolutely right. That is, that is important. And um, it's also uh, something that we're actively doing as, as well. It, it, uh, um, it's mutually beneficial. What was kind of the state of the collection when you came in? I, I know you mentioned that um, you know, the items were there in a basement. Um, but the work that you were doing um, or that you needed to do was, you know, elevating the collection, making sure that yes. those items could be preserved long-term and protected. Um, kind of what, what were some of your first steps coming in, inheriting this collection that was kind of a footnote of your, your job description? Right. It was uh, doing the basic in preservation in terms of identifying um, any items that had mold on it and taking them out and making sure that we isolated um, those items that might be damaging or impacting the rest of the collection. And also um, getting a better handle on the, the inventory of what we had. Um, so there were um, some pieces that that were not inventoried yet. So just going through going through those, um, we had lots and lots of, of duplicates. So um, so a lot of the content would come in from um, the advertising department and it would just be stacks of the exact same thing. Um, and space was a huge issue. So just um, combing through it, making sure that we didn't have an overabundance of one item, and also, um, you know, doing a basic inventory, um, isolating any items like uh, footwear um, that may have had organic material on it, 
um, as you can imagine with, um, you know, with the Vask brand, um, not all the boots were perfectly clean um, when they were put downstairs. So um, just doing those, um, those basic things. And um, I have, when I give presentations, I have a story um, about when I first started working in the corporate archives and my most basic need was access. And I have this photo of the door on the outside of the um, archives in our basement that said, do not block this door because people would be down in the basement and they would be, you know, it was a huge basement and I had one stall with a door on it. And there would be dollies in front of it. There would be carts. There would be, um, you know, PVC pipes. There would be heating equipment. And literally getting access to the corporate archive space was one of my biggest challenges hmm. because it was considered a, well, you know, w what do you need to be in there for or what... Um, it wasn't it was just completely not on anybody's radar as as something that needed constant care um you know it's like having you know a million dollar house but not cutting the grass i mean you need to nurture and um you know care for the collection at you know whatever stage it is um so my my biggest hurdle was just literally getting in the door Wow. Yeah. And then, and then getting all those items into a, a state where they could be, um, they, they wouldn't deteriorate, right? Like that, yes. that's, that's your greatest fear, right? Is these objects sitting in a, in a room, um, where, you know, mold can grow and it, it, they're just, they're, you know, that's the last thing that a, a historian archivist wants is, is right. their items in a, in a compromised situation like that. So, um, that sounds like a huge win to be able to to make that adjustment. What what does the space look like now? Like what what types of facilities exist for the collection to ensure that that these materials, print materials, and objects last for a long time? Well, we have um, a good space now. Um, it's it's um, a space that is not in the basement. Hmm. Um, it is um, humidity control. Um, it's it's locked uh, and only accessible um, by select um, employees, um, including our maintenance team and, and myself and um, my assistant. And we have mobile shelving units in the space um, because it is fairly small. Um, and we have, um, you know, great... Um, you know, you know all the all the museum grade um, equipment uh, that you need. Uh, hopefully, um, in the future, we uh, will be moving to an even better space uh, because some of the items within our collection are are so big that they they don't fit on a shelf. They don't fit in a box. For example, we have a lot of equipment. Um, manufacturing equipment um, and some of this equipment is on display so in our corporate office uh, we have a lot of our artifacts on display and we have storytelling um, opportunities for our history all throughout our um, 
our office space and we also have a museum in the Red Wing Shoes flagship store in Red Wing, Minnesota. And we also, one of my biggest pieces in the collection is a 1929 Model A that's on display in our lobby. Oh, wow. What, what is the, what's the connection with that? Uh, the truck was used to transport footwear from the warehouse down to the uh, depot. And um, at the time, footwear was um, packaged in wooden crates. And then after um, the um, truck, you know, wasn't wasn't needed anymore, you know, that wasn't our, you know, main way of um, transporting footwear and shipping footwear out. Um, it was, the truck was decommissioned and it was, um, you know, picked up by a, a local individual. And that, um, it changed hands a couple of times locally and um, a local um, collector of everything Red Wing purchased it, restored it. And, uh, um, I got to know him even before I started working at the shoe company. And um, so he's a, he's a great guy. Um, he's since passed away. But um, before he passed away, he said, Claire, um, someday I want Red Wing Shoe Company to, to have this truck. Um, so um, we uh, acquired it from from him and now it's on display it it runs it's in great running order i've driven it many times myself um and it's a it's a really fun uh display piece so some of those larger pieces um we we've solved the problem of what to do with them by putting them on display that's great well i i imagine for you um well i'd be curious for you like from your perspective um it sounds like when you first came in it was all about just getting the infrastructure in place so that the items that you already have can be protected. How much of your time now is, is spent looking for new items and, and how, how much do you rely on, on, on individuals like this, like, you know, collectors who are out there on the hunt trying to find these materials and objects. Um, How much do you rely on people like that to help preserve the history and, and maybe bring certain objects into the, into the collection? I guess how much of your time now is, is out collecting or, or trying to bring new items into the collection? Well, we're bringing in new items into the collection every day. And unfortunately it's not as sexy as vintage vehicles mm-hmm. or vintage anything. Um, what I'm bringing into the collection today is um, digital assets. Um, about half of my time is dedicated for the corporate archives. Um, another, um, and then I do have other responsibilities outside of the corporate archives, but most of what I'm going after now to collect is is digital assets that we're creating every second of every day, <laughs> trying to keep up with that. Well, it sounds like you had a good foundation um, because of of the, you know those you know founders and early individuals you know part of the parts of the company that had been preserving you know some of these early items. So you had a good infrastructure. Like you didn't necessarily have to go out and hunt down certain objects, which is common among um, other archives um, that are you know um, you know unfortunately some of their their collections have gone. Um, or, or the company didn't, you know, do what it probably should have earlier on to to preserve some of those items, and now they're, 
you know, have eBay alerts set for all sorts of different things. And they're trying to bring a lot of those objects back home. Um, but you bring up a really interesting challenge that I don't know if has been completely addressed by, by a lot of other archives. Um, and I think this is a cool opportunity to share maybe some of your best practices, but, but you bring up a good point around digital archiving. Um, you know, so much has moved to digital rather than print materials. It's, it's relatively easy to take a catalog, right. And put that Mm -hmm. in a, in a, in the right environment where it can be preserved. And, um, and, and there's something to that, the tangibility of that object, like, okay, we, we have the, you know, this catalog from this month, from this year, right. I feel like it's so much harder to do that with, um, digital, everything. Um, it what is. are the challenges that you've encountered with that? Um, you mentioned some of the, it sounds like you've kind of built some, um, I guess some best practices to preserve certain things. Um, you know, those newsletters and, and, you know, any, any, you know, significant milestone, grand opening of a new location internationally or, you know, whatever it might be. It sounds like you have some good best practices, but what are some of the challenges that you faced and, and how do you decide what you preserve that's, that's digital? You answered your own question. Um, it, it's there's so much, so much digital um, asset materials that we're creating every day, you know, across our family of brands. Um, so deciding what to, what's relevant for this brand, um, what what is best telling the the journey you know, of this brand. So for example, VASC, you know, it could be, um, you know, our, our partners, you know, our, you know, people who are, are out on the trail and um, using our product, um, their, their boots become an extension of their own identity. So they will use this product for a lifetime. And, um, so that is really important. You know, how, how do we capture that? Um, 20 years ago, it could have been a handwritten letter and a photo. Um, today, um, that storytelling is much different, you know. Um, so going to those channels, um, working with those internal channel partners, and ensuring that we have that representation. Um, and also, um, footwear is also really important too. You know, we're, um, you know, when we reintroduce the Sundown or when we reintroduce the Clarion, um, you know, what, what is, what was that marketing strategy? Why did we do that? You know, what was the reaction within the marketplace? Do we have an example of that footwear? And, um, you know, why, why did we do that? Um, so it's, we have to make sure that we're looking at what is in the best interest of, of this particular, particular brand. Right. With that said, um, how, how is the collection used currently? That's a question that I'm interested in answering. And we've talked a little bit about a project I'm working on for that, but um, how do you see the collection is, is, mostly used today. Uh, and I think it's interesting that you are within the marketing communications team. Uh, that seems like a common, common thread. Um, I know some other um, companies, their archives are kind of attached with their special projects, their special projects collaborations team. Um, 
you know, so every company kind of seems to to do it a little differently, but it, it, in most cases, it seems like um, archives are attached to communications. Um, I don't know if that's because communications uses them the most and marketing relies on those materials the most, but what, how, what departments do you see using the collection and, and what for, and, and for what purpose mostly? Surprisingly, our agency partners. So when we have a new agency that um, joins the Vasque brand, um, I've had the pleasure of bringing them to the archives and letting them touch, you know, the vintage catalogs, you know, pulling, you know, Whitney too off the shelf and, and looking at it. And because it's a heritage brand, it's important that they understand who we are, who is Basque. Um, we're, you know, just, we're not chasing trends. We're not, um, we're, we're very authentic. And having, um, and it's important that our agencies who are representing our brands understand that. Um, so um, that collaboration is, is a big user, product development. Um, our trade show and events, um, you know, we did a, a, a huge um, historic exhibit um, for, um, you know, trade shows, um, our marketing team, um, consumer uh, relations um, is also a big uh, user. Um, so, Yeah. I can't imagine that when you were collecting stamps, you ever thought that you would be uh, working in in this kind of capacity. Did you? Um, did you ever think no. that, or or was that a dream, something that you had always aspired to, but maybe didn't think that that was possible? I I think that was the first sign I was a history nerd, um, but it's surprising that you can. When something is genuinely um, authentic and true, um, I don't know how do I describe it. How do um, I never? I always it was it it was a dream of mine to um, promote something that I am passionate about, and that's. And I'm lucky that's what I get to do today. Um, I never thought it was going to be footwear. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to pursue and advocate, be an advocate for what I'm passionate about. And I get to do that. I get to um, be an advocate for the corporate archives, um, you know, the value that it brings to the brand. and. Um, I've I've come to love footwear. It was funny. I got a letter from a consumer, and um, she sent in her her boots, and um, she wrote me this this great letter letter about how she's used them, how long, been a customer for a long time, and you know these boots were like twenty years old, and the leather was, you know, you know, the leather was the patina was beautiful and i called her up and i said i got your boots and i loved your letter and i said i love these boots and she just laughed and i said if 
you're look, you know, I might be the one person in this world that just appreciates the look of a well-worn boots because it tells such a great story. It tells where they've traveled to, it's where they've hiked, um, it, you know, and it's, like I said before, it's, you know, people's footwear are an extension of who they are. Um, and so, and that, and that's probably one of the favorite parts of the collection is the the consumer correspondences and and um yeah i've got i've i'll never forget yeah one of the one particular consumer correspondence um we have one of my favorite pieces from the um vast collection is um is a poster we did um a series of posters world walker and this was um oh many years ago and it was the modern day instagram so we would take people's photos from where they've traveled all over the world and we made posters so this one poster um of is of a gentleman in front of a his name is john in front of a budapest temple with his sundowners on and um we um we happened to put this particular poster up in our in our museum and uh last year i got a call from the store and said well i'm sending over somebody who says their picture is up in the museum and i said well okay you know i take a lot a lot of strange calls and so he comes by um, my office and i said hi i'm claire i'm the corporate archivist and he said you have my picture up my you have my picture up in your museum um i'm wearing my sundowners and i said oh yeah in front of the budapest temple that in nepal and and he's like yeah that was me and he told me the whole story about how him and his wife they spent a year um for their honeymoon travel backpacking all over the world and um he was just so delightful and he wouldn't stop raving about his um his vasque boots that him and his wife bought for this um backpacking trip around the world and even more incredible than that is that he was wearing those boots he was wearing those same wow. boots and he didn't know when he came to Red Wing, because he lived out of state, he was visiting Minneapolis, Red Wing is an hour south of Minneapolis, St. Paul. So when he came to Red Wing, he had no idea that he was in Vasque backdoor. Wow. And, and it just goes to show how, you know, people just, they love their boots and, you know, they, can't hardly part with him. I, I did try to approach the topic of him parting with them, but he was like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> uh, they're still good. They're still good." Um, you know, and you know, he. It's um. So it was it was just really really cute. Um, I loved meeting him and hearing his story, and that's what makes um a collection so wonderful is not just the object itself it's the story that goes with it that's 
that's what I think is is the um, the holy grail is, of a of a collection is having that story um, with the object. It just adds so much life and relevance and and meaning. Well, that's where I see such a huge opportunity for outdoor brands to take care of their history, take care of these objects, um, you know, gather these user stories. Um, I, I just think there's such an opportunity there because in particular, outdoor product users seem to have this attachment to certain pieces of gear. And you've seen it with boots, um, you know, I, to the point that a lot of outdoor users will repair, you know, their jacket that has a, a tear in it or, you know, they'll do whatever it takes to keep some of these objects uh, living longer and, and in use longer. Uh, and they see those things as battle scars, right? It's, Oh, you know, this mm-hmm. is from my trip to, you know, wherever. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, it really becomes a part of their identity in a way. Um, so that, that's where I just see there's, there's such an opportunity to, to do this work and preserve these objects and preserve these stories. Like you said, most of all, um, you know, not only for, for us to sit around talking about them, um, but, but for um, people within the company to, to reflect on the heritage and impact of the company and p- people outside the industry to, to, to hear these stories and be impacted by them as well. It, um, you know, I, it, in this work, and you've probably seen the same thing, it's so easy for these stories to, to just be lost or never be told, Right. If if it's not written down, or if it's not on a podcast online, or put in a form where people can appreciate it, it's it's so easy for some of these stories, and then the impact of of the brand to to be lost. Right. Um, and so that's right. why I see the work that you do, and the work that I'm doing, the work that others, and in, in the industry are doing is is so important um, because there's so many of these stories that that get lost, and if 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 and if it's not for people like you who are out out trying to save them and, and put them in a form where people can appreciate them, they, they could be lost forever. And I, I think that is a really important part of the mission of our collection, our corporate archives is if nobody knows we have it, how can we use it? Mm. Um, so we really try to make things accessible. We've partnered with the marketing department um, on a, a dam and to date, we have, I'd say, well over 20,000 um, assets uploaded um, from our collection into the dam. And that's not, even, that's not even close to all of the assets that we have in our collection. But those are... Um, so having that, um, that dam... Um, accessible to our product development, our social media team, marketing team, agency. Um, it's self-serving. Uh, so, so I'm not the bottleneck anymore. They can go into the dam. You know, we have, um, you know, documents are converted into um, OCR PDF. So they can search keywords, um, key product. They can search by dates. They can search by um, names. They can search by uh, location. Um, so that has been um, really, really important. You um, that's being able to put um, the assets um, and the search capability at um, every employee's fingertip. 
Oh, that's great. That that's something that we aspire to at some point with our collection is is making more of it available online um, in a searchable format. Um, that's kind of the the holy grail for us is having these materials be searchable, so brands and individuals and researchers can can quickly find the information that they need um, from anywhere. Um, are are there any objects or documents or you know anything in the collection that um, that's that that's special to you or any prized items you mentioned the truck you've mentioned a few things but um is there kind of a universally accepted this is the item from the collection that's that's the most special they're all special children to me (laughs) they're all um they they all have um they're all special for for different reasons um but i think um I think um, another um, really special um, piece of the collection is I had mentioned W.D. Sweezy. Um, Mr. Sweezy, when he went to Europe, um, he that's on one of his trips to Europe is where he um, became aware he. Um, of people backpacking, people backpacking and hiking. And, and he thought, you know, I bet this is going to take off in the U.S. And he had passion for the outdoors. And he brought back that idea um, to Red Wing Chew Company to develop the Vasque brand. And we have slides of photos that Mr. Sweezy took um, while he was on that trip to Europe. Mm. And it's just a window into the thought process, um, the idea um, that eventually became Vasque. And um, he was a great photographer. We have very few photos of Mr. Sweezy because he was always taking the photos, but he was, he always took lots of photos when he went on trips and um, to see those, to see those slides and know the story of, of where he got the idea to start, um, you know, an outdoor footwear company um, or brand and to have those slides in our collection there. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty cool. That is that is really special. Um, you know, we've touched on this kind of throughout our conversation, but kind of as a way to, I guess, kind of wrap up a little bit. But um, what is it about archives for you? I mean, it sounds like you've always had an interest and a passion. Um, and I know you've kind of answered this question in a way, but um, what is it about archives that keeps you coming back and, and, and has helped make this like a, a fulfilling career for you? I think it's fulfilling because, because um, I've really have had a lot of success in reaching out to our leadership team, um, our CMO, um, Dave Schneider, um, he's he's totally on board with the corporate archives and the power, um, you know that that we can provide um, to to build um, brands. 
And it's, it's energizing because I see people using it for the first time or figuring out how it, how it's relevant to their work for the first time. And they're like, this is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, it is really cool. Um, and being able to share that with people and see their excitement, um, you know, all over again, that really inspires me. And, and I'm like, and a lot of people have told me, you've got the coolest job. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do got a pretty cool job. And to know that um, we've got the support from, you know, top down um, is is really rewarding. So um, the corporate archives is appreciated. Um, it's valued. It's used. Um, and I and there's so much more that we're, we're, we're poised to do in the future. And that that really keeps me excited. Um, and. You know, I've been here for 20 years and, you know, it's like, well, how do you stay there so long? And I'm like, well, because there's one more project. I mean, there's like, this is the best project we've ever done. You know, I, you know, got to keep going. And then before that's over, there's another project that, you know, they want to collaborate with the corporate archives on. And it just seems like there's always um, just one more awesome opportunity that, you know, I can't possibly walk away from. Um, so uh, as long as it stays challenging and, and rewarding, um, I'm all in. That's great. Well, that, that leads me to kind of my last question for you, but what, what is the future of the collection? You mentioned that there's a bright future, there's a lot coming. Is there anything that you can share that excites you about? the? It, maybe it doesn't have to be anything in particular, um, but what excites you about the future of the collection? Um, I think what excites me about the future is um, our collaboration. So we're, we're working on a museum exhibit at the um, hotel and this is this is a quite a bit of space that um, they're allowing us to um, talk about the community so um, when we were talking about you know not only preserving our company history brand history but also the community too um, we really had to take a look at what were those those um, stories that we wanted to tell about the, the community and how were we going to weave that into, um, you know, our brand stories as well? So, those um, partnership uh, collaborations um, we've got. Um, just recently, uh, the corporate archives um, and myself, we've been able to write, um, have a have a column in. I, I say a column or just dedicated space in our employee. Uh, newsletter that now is going out daily, but I presume that it'll maybe go to a weekly. But every Friday, you know, there's, um, you know, building our legacy message from the corporate archives. And that is, that is huge. You know, I'm getting in front of 2000 employees, um, you know, and how we can elevate that message is is really important that, you know, we have a corporate archives, how they can use it and how it's relevant to their work. Um, so, like I said, you know, there's always 
another exciting project to work on, you know, a challenge to accomplish, um, you know, hopefully um, in the next few years, we're going to have a new space. And I'm excited um, to see, um, to start working on that and, and make sure that um, is, is the best that it can be. That's great. Well, Claire, thank you for taking the time. I, I guess just as a final uh, wrap up, how's the best way to stay in touch with you and, and any, any, you know, how can people interact with the collection? It sounds like the museum's probably the best way to do that um, during a, you know, uh, different circumstances where we're, you know, recording this during the, the COVID year 2020. So, um, but I imagine that's, that's probably the best way for people to connect with the collection. How are other ways for people to engage with you and, and with uh, your work? Um, also follow our brands on social media. So you can follow, um, you know, VASC on the, you know, major social channels, um, Red Wing Shoe Company, uh, Red Wing Heritage. Um, we uh, have a lot of um, historic assets um, that are shared uh, out on out on social media. So that's that's an excellent way. And um, yeah, and if anybody has you know their pair of you know sundowners or um, you know boots from their collection, we're we're always looking for, for uh, great stories to go along with those boots. And so they can contact me um, directly, claire.pavelka at redwingshoes.com. That's great. Well, Claire, thank you again. I, I appreciate the, the passion that you have for, for this work. Um, it's contagious. Like I'm, I'm doing this on a less than part-time basis. And I, I just want to spend as much time as I can working on, on these projects because I share the same feeling. So it's very rewarding. It, it really is. So I appreciate you taking time to, to share a, a little bit about what you, what you do and, and the impact of the collection. So thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.